Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar appeal to coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. All right, we got Zoe for one final segment here. It's Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf and Lorenzo Alexander, of course, here. Zoe, before we get into the, uh, you know, the, the menial stuff, like how do you save a football team, we got to get into the serious stuff because you tweeted this out last night, this gingerbread, the oh, annual yeah, Alexander. Yeah, with, yeah. First of all, who won? Give us the backstory. I here. think, well, first of all, my mom, if she's listening, she's probably under protest because typically – I, I add everybody's picture in the same tweet. Hers ended up being on a, her own tweet because they only let me add four pictures. See. And I just kind of randomly picked it. I didn't even really think who I was doing, but it happened to be her. She was like, I can't be on the original tweet. So <laughs> it's under protest probably on in, from her perspective. But the person that I think won was my wife. She did the Bills Stadium. That had with my the, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's not really a house. I understand it's the Bills house, whose house, right, from a football standpoint. But she kind of cheated. She kind of, I think, uh, pandered to to the Bills Mafia that follows me on on Twitter. Smart. Yeah, it is smart. Very smart. <laughs> so, it, but there's no prize out of it. She didn't. She didn't win anything. So, uh, you know, I'll take it. She's the contested. Her win. and then my daughter. She's always so. My oldest daughter. She's always very detailed and technical. I got these big hands. I admit, I, I, I do it with my eight year old. So I, I get a little cover. Mine is the one with the Twizzlers, and like the marshmallow roof. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, that, it's, that one looks the best as far as just like if you're eating these when you're. Done. Yeah, yeah, it's different. It's different, you know. So, I, but I got an eight year old who's my who's my uh, architect. I'm just a GC, you know. He put me to work. <laughs> hey, daddy, do this. All right, daddy, do that. All right. It's funny because I saw the Zoe tweeted these out. He tweeted out four of them, and then you're right. There's a fifth one. And yeah. The, the, but the the thing about the fifth one is it gets its own picture. Like it, it does. So I thought that was probably yours. Like here's no. the other four, and here's she won't mine. she won't look at it like that. <laughs> she will not look at it like that from a positive perspective. But that's one of the fun things we do. We also do caroling. So uh, we'll probably do that tomorrow or Thursday night. I'll. I'll light my truck up and put the speakers in the back and we'll go to certain people's houses and do a little caroling, nice. which is also fun, too. Nice. See, Zoe gets in the, uh, the holiday spirit. I yeah, like I it. love it. Uh, also on Twitter uh, yesterday, Justin Pugh, actually, I think some of this was even from the night before. Justin Pugh tweeted this thing out. He was, he was uh, I don't want to say arguing with, but just talking with a few other people. I think they're just random people on Twitter, and he got into this debate. And this is a, just a snippet of the conversation. But he said the key to winning Super Bowls is hitting on a rookie deal quarterback, build around him ideally with the best defensive line in football, and then trade that quarterback when he starts asking for 25-plus percent of the cap. If he'll take 15 percent, it's a different story. You're overvaluing the position. So, again, that's part of a conversation he was having. Oh, yeah. But just to put this in perspective, this is a, an obstacle that now faces the Cardinals. Right now, the salary cap's right around $208 million. Now, I'm assuming it's going to keep going up. Yeah. Uh, but and right now, it doesn't impact the Cardinals because Kyler Murray this year, what was he? he it was a $12.6 cap hit. Next right. year, $16 million, but he's hurt now to start next yep. year. But the following year, he's $51.8 That's what he's on the books for. Right, but... 
it, that's the cap, right? So that's his bonus and his base in yeah. that year, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to look at it. It's not per year like that. Cut. It's not a yeah. clear cut because you can manipulate the cap. And, and they're so going to have to. Right. And these GMs ain't, aren't stupid, right? Because we just saw what, what um, McVay and the, and the Rams have been doing, right? There's ways to <laughs> manipulate the cap so you can pay and keep guys that you want to keep. Yeah. And so I get what Justin is saying from a standpoint. If you can hit on like a Russell Wilson, that means you can keep some premier guys, some other guys that you may not keep, maybe one or two extra ones versus having to rely on maybe a, a good player, but he's not an elite player and hoping that, that you can kind of work your way through that so I think there's different perspectives but at the end of the day you gotta have guys that's showing up and doing their job because I've seen where you have 11 pro bowlers a la Dallas and not win a playoff game mm-hmm. right or a group of guys another shot at Dallas yeah I of like course it. of course or you know a group of guys uh, like when I was in Buffalo my first year when we had to reboot uh, Brandon and Sean brought a ton of high character guys from uh, Buffalo with uh, from uh, the Panthers with them and we were able to make the playoffs where nobody thought we were able to do it right and so there's two different ways you can look at it but it's always come back to the culture of the team how we're coaching and then how guys are showing up consistently week in and week out and so there's just two different ways to look at it. it's just easier when you have more money because then you can get better players yeah so to his point it may be easier to do it that way i don't think it's the only way you can do it though especially if, a, if you have a great coach because buffalo paid josh right and uh mahomes was paid kansas city and there'll be some other guys that get paid so it'll be interesting to see what i don't know what their cap number is if it's as high as kyler's which it probably isn't because kyler got paid after them but the cap goes up and and again good gms they don't sign deals that don't make sense for them to be able to build a team and we were talking whoever they get in as GM now kind of has a little bonus because they're going to be able to pick so high. So yeah. You can use some of those picks to plug some holes that you won't have to go out and sign guys in free agency, even if the money is a little bit tight. Yeah, that, uh, correct. But then you have to develop them, right? Yeah. Cause we've, we've drafted, I think, some good players before. We, we just haven't developed them to, for them to be the impact players that we want them to be. And, and, and the draft is a crapshoot. Obviously, your chances go up the higher you go up. But... It's a lot of, you know, first-round guys. Because, again, I, I think this, I was talking, having a conversation the other day about when you bring guys in, whether it's free agency or draft. Um, and, you know, everybody always talks about talent, 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 talent. And I, and I get that, right? You want guys that can play at that level. But you also want guys that have high character. Because when adversity hits, those are the guys that are going to help. For to develop into being that high-impact player, he has to have character in order to do that, right? You don't want he's going to face adversity right. on the way. And yeah. he's going to be self-motivated to build himself because he's worried about who he wants to become, not what he's trying to acquire, like I said earlier. So yeah. he's gonna, that character is going to drive him to do all the little things that's going to allow him to be a great player. I think oftentimes, and a lot of people, you get enamored and, and memorized by the talent and a guy may be slightly more talented than a guy than another guy that has more character, but over the course of the career, that character guy may end up playing 10 or 12, and that high-talented guy, you may get four years out of him. Yeah. You're like, dang, what happened to him? He didn't have character, right? He didn't have what made him like a D-book to be able to grind through it and become the best he wants to be, because all they're trying to chase and inquire is the bag, the money. And once they get it, all right, I'm chilling, right? 
because the character wasn't there. The motivation, that the, the, that intrinsic um, spirit of fire that Wolf always talks about wasn't there. And so that's why I think GMs, coaches, you know, when you're looking at guys, yeah, the talent matters, but let's look at what type of character guy, and is he going to build himself into the player that we want to do? Or we want him to be because it, it takes two to be able to go through that process. The coaches have obviously shown me how to do it, but then I got to be receptive to it as well. And so, uh, a second, uh, our second pick is great, top five, top ten. But if the guy isn't willing to become that guy and grind through it because it's hard, then it's, it's kind of. Eh. So you got to be real, I think, strategic, and when you're picking guys that high. Uh, ideally, just everybody you draft would just be Devin Booker. That would be the, of course. That's the key. And they're hard to find, right? It's hard to find a guy because most talented guys have. I don't, don't want to say have had had it easy, but it's easier Up to for that them point, though, to easy. be yeah. good, right? And if they don't have somebody in their life that's holding them accountable, even when they are good. To like the little, cause they still making mistakes. But you think about AAU coaching, right, and basketball and what that's turning to. Where if a dude is talented, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you, right? you can make a mistake and get away yeah, with it. Nobody I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say nothing. Yeah. But even a coach, I see it, but I'm not going to say I'm nothing because say he's a great player, right? Yeah, I don't want you to leave. Instead of worrying about the player development and building that character so when they get to the league, now it's part of who they are. It's who they become. And now as a coach, as a professional coach, I don't have to coach that too, right? And so that's that's what that's that's the type of guys that you want to see. That's the type of guys that you want to try to identify. Um, it's just, it just sucks that our culture is kind of allows people with talent too much of a leash. Um, but yeah, that, that, yeah, you're setting them up for failure in that way. But it does also make guys like Devin Booker stand out. And ironically, yeah. you talked about the guys. But he had that, his daddy though. His paid. dad is, was his coach, right? Hard yeah. on him. Yeah. That's like my uncle, man. I mean, you know, you think about favoritism when you grow up, and they, my my uncle, my dad's gonna coach. I'm gonna have it easy. I'm gonna be the star player. Not always. <laughs> Ooh, man, my uncle was way harder on me. I remember one time I was ten. I didn't want to work hard. I, I thought I was the the bee's knees, right? I was the the all star of my. Uh, 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 Babe Ruth tournament, whatever. Uh, I didn't want to run. With the whole team got in trouble. My uncle literally dragged me. Right? <laughs> Somebody now would probably call CPS, but he literally dragged me and embarrassed me. Like, hey man, you you got to do what everybody else does. Yeah. I never, I I never didn't run mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Right? I ran every time he now asked me to. <laughs> right? Yeah. So those little moments throughout my throughout my sports career has made me into the guy that I want to be. As far as you know, uh, representing and talking about character. As far as being a professional and stuff so it, it matters so great stuff as always man yep. we always love having you in here cool enjoy it mm-hmm. uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers are heading to State Farm Stadium May 14th with the Strokes tickets are on sale now but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com when we come back Chris Paul finally went off last night is the point god back it's Wolf and Luke Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports the local sports leader Wolf and Luke Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I timed that really wrong. Josh Coleman's in for Wolf today. Josh, I was trying to do the thing you do in radio where it's like, okay, I got to break them and try and eat. You would think at this point I would kind of know like how long the breaks are. No. Start eating right at the end of the break. Like you don't have the bites on. bites per second down no, yet? No, I almost just threw my food across <laughs> the, uh, the studio to make sure I got back to the mic. Uh, all right, in case you are just joining us, you're kind of, you know, doing an actual job today, and uh, you're jumping in the car, or you're flipping us on the stream or whatever. Um, the Phoenix Suns have not officially been sold yet, but it sure sounds like they are about to get sold. Uh, 
the story breaking earlier today the from Woj. I'll just read the actual Woj tweet here, which I'm now trying to find because Woj tweets a lot. Uh, he said, breaking billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia is finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns. Sources tell ESPN the deal expected to be completed in the near future would end the tumultuous tenure of owner Robert Sarver. I'm not going to read it now. It's like a long thread, but it also means he'll get the mercury. And it sounds like it's going to be for about $4 billion. So if you were, you know, digging through the couch and you're like, I got 3.5 billion, maybe I have a chance. You don't because it sounds like Matt Ishbia is buying the teams. Yeah, you also have a really big couch, I think. Well, ideally, or you've, your couch is just hollowed out and full yeah. of cash. So. There's that going on off the court, and that could have ramifications for the rest of the season and certainly beyond as far as is it easier to make a trade? Is it easier to get somebody to sign off on if you're going to pay somebody? Because right now you don't technically have an owner. I mean, you do, but I don't think Robert Sarver's being like, yeah, let's throw some more money at this guy for a team I'm not going to own. So that's off the court. On the court, though, last night, Josh, the Suns take down the Lakers. They will play Washington tonight. Chris Paul was impressive in that game last night. Just the second time this season, he's gone over 20 points. It was a season-high 28. The other time was also this month, too. So maybe we are seeing Chris Paul start to get back to being Chris Paul. To the point where I'm actually watching a Chris Paul highlight on ESPN right now. Although it's hitting me, it was against the Lakers, and that's why they're showing it. Yeah, true, but it was good to see. And he even mentioned it, some of the sound you've used before, where he knew Book was out and he had scored 58 the night before, so I think he kind of knew there might have been some slack to pick up. Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah, I knew he was out without book. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I had a guy on my team just scored 58 last game. You know what you think I'm going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's a balance. You know, trying to figure out when to be aggressive, when to find other guys. But my natural instinct is to find other guys because I know I can get a shot whenever. But uh, just trying to figure out that balance. And balance is a key word. I mean, yeah, like all five starters had at least 15 points. And that's one thing the Suns can do really well is they have depth and balance. But do they have a marquee number two? And it's nice to know that Chris Paul can still do that. And like he said, getting a balance, he loves distributing the ball. But he can get shots when he wants to. It's just he doesn't usually always have to. But it's nice to know that when they need him to, he can, and he can. He still has that ability. You you watch him throughout his career, and he has been able to. He's a pretty good shooting percentage for a point guard. In addition to everything else, he does. It's funny because like we had Steve Nash here for all those years too, and it was always like Steve. I think if you shot more, you would. You're hitting like fifty five percent of your shots. Um, he said it right there. You just kind of alluded to it as well. When he needs to get the shot, he can he can get it, and that is reassuring. I think, though, we're all thinking the same thing of where was it against the Mavericks in the playoffs last year. And now at a certain point, we have to let that go, that series, even though it's impossible when you're on social media and every Mavericks fan acts like they won three titles in a row by beating you. Um, but I think the the most likely way that Suns fans are going to be able to put that series in the past is Chris Paul looking like Chris Paul again. Because this season, he just hasn't played enough to really look like himself. I mean, the most... The most alarming thing in that series was that the Suns didn't look like themselves, and that started with Chris Paul. Everybody thinks back like, oh, yeah, the Suns, they were bad in Game 6, and I don't even know what happened in Game 7. And, and yeah, that's true. But Chris Paul started not looking like Chris Paul back in, in the third game of that series. So to see him, in his point totals routinely this season in the first couple months were single digits. You know, he's, he's had a few... 
He had a 10, a couple 10s, a couple 16s mixed in there. But this month, since he has come back, um, four in his first game, but then 24, 6, 16, 15, 18, 28. So he's scoring now, too, and they're going to need that second scorer, whether it's him every night in the playoffs as the second option or in game one, he's the second option in game two. It's Cam Johnson or whatever. We don't know the Cam Johnson part of the equation because he hasn't played much Mm -hmm. this year, but we know what Chris Paul has to be. Yeah, and it's just reassuring for Suns fans that he can still do that. And Watching him over his career, those shots, he can get to that spot and make that shot over and over and over again, and it's hard to stop because he knows exactly what move to do, where to get on the court. And he's very efficient, shooting percentage-wise. He doesn't waste your possessions. And that's exactly what a veteran point guard like that needs to be in the playoffs, where if they're trying to take away one of your other weapons, or if they're really focusing on Booker or Aiton, that's something he's going to be able to need to step up and do. And just knowing that balance and when to do it is is key for him, and and it's good to know that he can still do that. Uh, Chris Paul... Had this to say after the game as well, because the Suns, yes, they played last night, 28 points from him. Well, they also play again tonight, and a lot of players around the NBA, are, it's just a given they're not going to play the first half of a back-to-back or the second half, depending who they're playing. Here's Chris Paul. I'm going to play every night I can, and when I say that, that means um, to each his own. I'm not really with that sitting games, resting games. I've been fortunate to play 18 years, and unfortunately, I had a lot of injuries. So I know what it's like not to be able to play. Right, So every time I get an opportunity to play, I look at it as a privilege. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be playing tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, don't nothing happen between, God, please, <laughs> between me going home. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be out on the court tomorrow. I guarantee that. I'll say this maybe more as a basketball fan even than a Suns fan, Josh. It's just refreshing to hear somebody say that. I was telling you before we have Fantasy Basketball League around here that we, at least for me, I'm in it just to make sure I'm paying attention to what the Indiana Pacers are doing. You know what I mean? So it's not just, hey, the Suns are playing the Pacers. What do we know about them? It's just ingrained in you. You know it. But all it's really shown me is if there's a back-to-back, it's just almost a given. You'll read the reports. It's like, well, obviously he's not going to play tonight. They play tomorrow. Oh, I didn't know he signed a contract for a 58-game season. So it's refreshing to hear. Chris Paul, of all people, who's played, I think, more games they said last night than anybody right now except LeBron, to be like, oh, yeah, I'll play the back-to-back. Obviously, it's Washington. we got to beat them. Yeah, I know it is refreshing just to have that attitude that you want to go out and play every night. I mean, that's what you were paid to do. That's what you signed the contract to do, to go out and play. Yeah. And it's just funny looking in sports over the years how used to see like games played it was the exact number of games on the schedule and now there's nothing like that but it's good to see that he wants to be out there and especially you know booker out last night there's probably no chance he plays tonight you know give the groin another rest they need all hands on deck um even though if it is just the washington wizards it's funny you say that about like yeah you're right you used to look in the nba and it would be like everybody played 82 games and maybe one guy had like a really tough week and he only played 81 games or something and this is not like in the 70s this is like five years ago six years ago right uh and i guess i can't do it for this year just because everybody's played a different number of games right now so i think it's even worse this year honestly but if you look at last year so an 82 game season right i'm just looking at the top point scorers last year uh, here's their games played, okay, out of 82. 68, 56, 67, 55, 65, 29, 57. Like, that's not even close to 82 games. There's there's a couple guys at 76. Wow, I've scrolled through the entire first 50 players. The only guy 
yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody's played 82. The only guy in the league who plays 82 games anymore is Mikel Bridges. He's the only guy. I'm looking at the top 50 point scorers, scorers from last year. Not one of them played 82 games. The only guy close is Miles Bridges, not Mikel, with 80. And every, nobody else is even higher than, like, most of them are in the 40s and 50s. It's unbelievable the era that, that, uh, that we're suddenly in that is clearly an issue for the NBA. It really is. I know the commissioner has addressed it multiple times. The Heat just got fined. I mean, twenty five grand is isn't much, but just because they sat so many guys. But it's five times more than U of A got fined for their, uh, <laughs> their, their whatever violations were a couple years ago. And uh, But that's definitely something because you talk about fans going to see and all of a sudden like that, Ra- that Lakers roster we rattled off. You know, the name <laughs> recognition on that. I mean, obviously they have some guys hurt but um you know just taking a night off and the nba has tried to set the schedule up so there's less back-to-backs there's a lot more time in between because they want all their players on the court because i mean that's their brand and their product and they want it out there as many times as possible yeah we're gonna get to the point in a couple years where it's why i can't play two games in three nights what are you crazy but just once a week so it it is it's good to be here in Phoenix. I hope it doesn't burn the suns. Uh, some people certainly believe it did last year where you've got Chris Paul. I know he's missed games this year, but he was hurt. And, and I know you know Devin Booker now has missed three, and I'm guessing he'll miss a fourth tonight, like you said. But for the most part, you have guys that are out there. There is no, there's no pre-agreed-upon deal that if there's a back-to-back, they're just missing a game. Chris Paul playing back-to-back games is, is almost crazy. Like it, <laughs> I can't imagine on other teams... There's, there's quite a few teams. Like, if he was on Miami and he's like, oh, I'm going to play back-to-back, they'd be like, dude, you're 37. We sat all these 23-year-olds yesterday just because it was Tuesday. You can't you can't go out there and, and miss this game. But, I don't know, hopefully it doesn't burn the Suns, but it'll certainly, hopefully, help them tonight. And uh, and Chris Paul getting back on track is, is the biggest thing for them at this point. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Cardinals have a top-five pick in the upcoming draft if the season ended today. It might even become a better pick by the end of the season keep it or do you trade it? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back over to football. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf today. It is the Wolf and Luke show on a Tuesday afternoon. And the reality of the Cardinals season is uh, it's still brutal right now, but in a couple weeks, Josh, we're going to be looking at a team that has a very high pick in the draft. At the moment, they are projected at fifth. Not projected, that's where they would pick right now, at fifth. I'm looking at some of these mock drafts, too, and um, before we get into the philosophy on how to handle this, I'm looking at one right now that has them taking Bijan Robinson out of Texas. That guy is ridiculous. There's no way the Cardinals can take him. But he's going to have like an amazing career on some other team. But I mean, you can't <laughs> when you're picking this high. You you it, you have to pick the best player available. But don't get ridiculous. You know what I mean? You have James Conner. You have Keontae Ingram. Is B. John Robinson potentially better than both of them? Yeah, but you have so many other needs. That's the issue right there. Uh, but just in general. You're going to have the fifth pick in this draft, let's say, and maybe it goes up. I think it could go basically as high as two. You honestly come out as number two pick. Or, you know, you could drop a little bit. The teams that are picking around the Cardinals, just to give you an idea of what it is right now, uh, Houston is set to pick number one. They're going to pick number one. But it doesn't really impact the Cardinals because they're going to take quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Yep. 
Seattle um, picking two because they have Denver's pick, that impacts the Cardinals in the sense that you don't really want Seattle getting better. <laughs> but that's whatever. That's Denver's problem. That's the way it played out. I don't know what Seattle's going to do there. Like, do you think you take a quarterback? You It's supposed to be four or five really good quarterbacks at the top of this draft. If you're Seattle, I'd almost take one and just be like, all right, you know, we're signing you for another year. C.J. Stroud or whoever can learn underneath you. I, I don't know, but that's another team that may, may end up taking a quarterback. The point of this is the Cardinals, let's say they pick fifth, are going to have a real shot at getting like Jalen Carter out of Georgia or Willie Anderson out of Alabama. And I know conventional wisdom is probably what can you get for that pick? Can you get like a bunch of picks? I don't want to trade the pick if it's top five. I really don't. Yeah, especially if you really key in on a top guy like we were talking. It'd be awesome if this thing was loaded with offensive or defensive linemen. Yeah. And there's a couple of really good defensive players at the top. But, I mean, an offensive lineman would be huge, but it's not. So I think you'd still take the best available because then you're also drafting top of the second round. Yeah, and we were talking before, like whatever GM does this, like we really need to hit on these picks because, like we were talking about the cap and everything, like you want to get some guys in here that you could develop into really good players that can fill a couple holes because this isn't where you want to rebuild around a quarterback that's making so much money. You want to give him some players right now and just continue to build this roster and let him hopefully take you back into the playoffs. It's not a complete tear down and rebuild, so you want to make sure whoever the GM is picking hits on these picks and does really well. You're hoping this ends up being like uh, San Francisco was getting better, and then remember they had the second pick the year the Cardinals took Kyler Murray. So in 2019, the 49ers, even though they were getting better, had the second pick in the draft, take Nick Bosa, and then they're immediately good again, and now Nick Bosa is right up there with Micah Parsons for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, so you're hoping it's that because you you can't afford to go into a rebuild. You can go into a rebuild and the guy's making you know fifty ish million dollars a year on, on your cap. Like, what's the point? The rebuild will just be Kyler Murray making a lot of money and looking really unhappy because his team's going to be winning five or six games a year. So you're right. You got to hit on these picks and they got to play. Um, and they got to play right away too. You can't take a guy with the fourth pick and be like, yeah, you know, we'll see. Eventually we'll get him in there. He's he's got to be playing like by week two, I would say, of next year. Um, what I said earlier of of I don't really want to trade the pick, that's obviously open to debate in terms of what you're getting. You know, if you get to the point where you've slipped to number two, you're going to pick number two, and Bryce Young goes first to Houston, and these other teams are like, we got to get C.J. Stroud or whoever they want, and you can make some sort of deal like we've seen we saw who was it with uh, with the Bears that made the trade the year when they traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. If some team wants to get stupid for mm-hmm. a quarterback, then by all means, you know, you trade down to eight and you get a bunch of you know second round picks or whatever. Do it. But I think in general, you're gonna have a chance to get a game changer here, and you cannot, like you said, you cannot miss on it. Yeah, because there's not many times where you're a playoff team, you get to pick in the top five, but you still already have your quarterback and some weapons around him, you have to continue to move forward there. You're you're not going to rebuild. You don't get that chance often, and the Cardinals unfortunately find themselves in that. So you have to hit here, and then that way you're going into next season trending upwards, and you're not going to be picking in the top five again following the 2023 season. Can you imagine? I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) If if you're doing that again next year. Uh, And obviously it's complicated by the fact that uh, that Kyler Murray is hurt and you don't know if he's going to be there to start next season. But the other thing that that makes this 
this draft at least a little bit different is when you look at some of these the the teams they're going to be picking. Um, there are going to be playoff teams picking around the Cardinals because of trades they have made in the past, and and they were on the right side of of, of a bad trade where you know a team like Denver and I, I, I hate picking on Denver because I think most people at the time were like you can get Russell Wilson with the defense you have and the receipt. yeah absolutely do it. Well, you know Denver right now would be picking fourth. And uh, that's not their pick. That's Seattle's. Um, the Rams would be picking third. That's not their pick either. That's Detroit's. Uh, New Orleans would be picking eighth. Well, that's Philadelphia's. Think about that. Philadelphia is 13-1. They may very well win the Super Bowl. And it's not inconceivable. New Orleans could drop. That could be like the fourth pick of the draft that goes to Philadelphia. Philadelphia could get Will Anderson. Yeah, which is great. And Philadelphia had draft picks stockpiled last year, too. Yeah. I think they had three first-rounders or something. Like, um no team really finds themselves that fortunate, but you have to take advantage of any time, you know, unfortunately that the Cardinals are in this situation, but you have to take advantage. But yeah, maybe you hope you get all the way up to the top because then you have some of that leverage to, all right, what do you want for this quarterback? And sometimes, especially in this day and age, seeing what some GMs have done, like what the Rams have done and stuff, yeah, they'll mortgage the future and give up picks if they can be good now. Yeah. No, you're right. If you're picking one or two, um, I don't think they can pick one now. But if they end up picking two, yeah. I mean, if if a team wants to get stupid, I guess they could technically still finish 4-13 and 13 and the Texans could finish 4-12-1 and because they have that big tie. Um, yeah, if you get up there and teams are going to, you know, sabotage themselves to, to give you everything they have so they can take a quarterback because you got a GM under pressure or whatever, you got to be open to it. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly... It just it comes back to you can't miss. You really can't miss. And when you think of that and you're like, okay, do you trust this GM to make the pick? We don't even know who the GM is. Yeah, and that's a, another big thing is they have to have whichever GM that is in place enough time to really assess the roster. And that's one of the things where you wonder if you do do an internal move. I know they've done that several times in the past, the Cardinals have, because you have someone that already right now has a list of the roster and knows which pieces they need. Um, whereas you bring someone else in and they have to do their own overhaul and maybe bring in new coaches and everything, it just gets more complicated and you just don't want any stall or any misstep backwards. You want to continue moving this thing forward while you have the pieces you have. I go back and forth. And I can't figure out if this is an attractive destination for a high-profile coach. And obviously, you know, thinking of Sean Payton, but that, that has just kind of spurred this conversation I've had with a few people. If you're Sean Payton... If it really came down to, hey, the Cardinals want Sean Payton, and you're Sean Payton, you're like, okay, I can obviously pick. I still think the Chargers would be my first choice because I can go coach Justin Herbert. Now, they may make the playoffs, and then they're not changing coaches anyway. But um, on the one hand, the Cardinals, I mean, this year has been such a mess. Like, this is this got to be the low point in franchise history since they moved to Arizona with everything that's happened this year. Not It's not just the record. I realize they had a worse record a couple of years ago, although not only by one game, basically, but just everything else. But on the other hand, if you're Sean Payton, you're like, I could probably come in and clean that up. And I'll just clear out everybody that, that you know has been an issue or whatever. So, I don't know. It's, it, we always say it's going to be an extremely important offseason, but it really feels like this offseason in particular is going to shape the ceiling that the Cardinals have for like the next four years, five years. If if they if they do this well, you can. It doesn't take years to turn it around in football. If you botch this offseason, I mean, it's going to be a I long. Mean, but if you also think about it, the Cardinals do have a ton of talent on the roster. They do. They've just not been able to put it together on the field. And I mean, for example, the Hollywood Brown trade. I mean, I know 
picking 23rd is different than potentially picking fourth. But a coach could look at, okay, look at all this talent that they have going on here. I mean, last game, we were missing three of our top corners. So maybe he's looking at it as, okay, Kyler gets back healthy. Zach Ertz is back healthy. You know, you got one more year of J.J. Water, whoever long. I mean, James Conner. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown. Like How could I forget D-Hop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but that, that's that's what you are hoping, is there's a good coach that sees all that talent. And I know we don't like to say, okay, oh, yeah, they had all these injuries. People don't want to hear that because it sounds like an excuse. Mm-hmm. Saying, I get it. But if you're a coach that hasn't suffered through this this year and you're Sean Payton, you're like, oh, there's a lot of talent there and they have a, a, a fifth pick in the draft, like – I just It's not as far-fetched as maybe I would have thought a few weeks ago. All right, the 2022 college football playoff semifinals coming to State Farm Stadium December 31st, featuring the Michigan Wolverines and the TCU Horned Frogs. They score out for the first time ever in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl, number two and number three. Head to the contest page now on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets. When we come back, Kyle Kuzma was sitting courtside at the Suns game last night. Coincidence, or should we read some stuff into it? We're going to do that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Josh Colmenter, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show on this Tuesday afternoon. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf today. It is the Wolf and Luke show. And, yes, Suns news today. Woj tweeting out a little bit earlier in the show. We had the breaking news that uh, Matt Ishbia, a billionaire mortgage lender, finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns. And so then everybody vetted Matt Ishbia via Wikipedia. Some of us dug a little bit deeper to Forbes, but uh, still, all all just stuff online. Uh, Maloney and Jesse found uh, audio of him on uh, Real Sports from about a month ago, played at Michigan State, played with Jason Richardson, who tweeted out earlier that uh, he's happy for Ish. Um, So you got that going on. It's not officially done yet, but it sounds like finalizing a purchase. Woj, I can't imagine Woj just making up a story like that, obviously. So you have that going on. You have the Suns on a three-game winning streak. We have word now that uh, Devin Booker out tonight, as you kind of guessed, right? Um, Cam Johnson's still out. Uh, Josh Kogi is out as well, which we talked to K-Ray. That was earlier today. It was right before the Suns' ownership news broke. It feels like it was four weeks ago. But he was hoping Kogi might be able to get back in there tonight. He, he got hurt last night. Uh, but he did have a 360 <laughs> layup. <Yeah>, he, <laughs> uh, he's, he's just been fun to watch. So Noah Kogi, still no campaign. And uh, I'm just reading the full injury report. Jay Crowder is NWT, which uh, means not with team. But <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> you can probably figure out. I don't know. I like that they still put that in there. Yeah. Just in case you were wondering if he was out with a, a toe or a foot. Or... Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm looking at the full injury report. There's 11 guys out in this game tonight between the two teams. Uh, one guy that was there last night that is playing tonight for the Washington Wizards is Kyle Kuzma. And I'm not... I'm not going to make this jump. Hey, he was watching the game. He was sitting courtside. He's going to play for the Phoenix Suns. He's going to sign with them. Well, he's on a team. He's on the team they're playing tonight. But he's tight with Devin Booker. He used to play for the Lakers. And so he was already here. So sits courtside, watches the game last night, and he gets people thinking, okay, you know, is there something there? To me, the, the story is not he was there, so that means he's going to end up on the Suns. To me, the story is more... What came out a week or so ago, and then last night just sort of amplified it, of he's not, 
he's a free agent at the end of the season. Not going to sign. Uh, you know, he's gonna, I think he's a player option for yep. next year. He's not going to take that with the Wizards. So this is somebody. You know, Washington's struggling. This is somebody that absolutely could be available in the next two months. Yeah, and Washington's not in a position to turn down assets if they could get them. They're a team that needs some players, some young players, and that's something that the Suns have had. That was something going into the trade deadline last year. The Suns kind of have a plethora of some really good players that if they needed to make a move to get maybe that one guy that they think is going to get them over the hump, they have the ability to do that. And he certainly fits a profile of somebody that they would like to have. He, he really does because as the season has gone on, we everybody had their own individual thoughts for this season. Oh, the Suns need a backup point guard they can trust if Chris Paul goes down in the playoffs. Or the Suns need a, a, a better, another, I should say, wing defender. Or you just need a power forward. Or you need another scorer. Well... I mean, Kuzma is putting up over 21 points a game this year. He's only 27. It's not like you're going out and, and adding somebody right at the end of their career. Now, you know, I would assume if they did trade something for him, they would want to work out a deal with him where he's staying beyond this year. I don't think they want to give up a whole lot for a rental, and they shouldn't. But with Suns, whether it ends up being Kyle Kuzma or somebody else, they have stuff to trade. They have Jay Crowder, but they also have some depth guys on this team. But the biggest thing is they got picks. They got first round mm-hmm. picks. Most contenders don't have first round picks they can trade anytime soon. And there's there's a difference, right? I mean, if you if you go to and I'm just picking a team, but because I think actually New Orleans does still have some they can trade. But I don't know. You're going to make a trade with let's say Boston or whoever that just yeah we can't give you a pick until 2028. I'm not sure that's the exact number on Boston, but are you really, if the Suns come along and they're like, you can have our first round pick this year and Jay Crowder and, a, you know, a second in three years when we might be worse, you're going to be able to jump ahead of a lot of teams if you identify a player you want. Absolutely, yeah. Just having the assets uh, in picks, the way the NBA trades picks is so different than anything else. It's so hard to follow and it's track. Unbelievable. Just having them and being able to and not having them, you know, tied up to, oh, you can only trade this one you can't trade that one um but just having that makes a deal easy and if they think they're one player away they can go get whether kuzma's one of those guys or someone else they zero in on but they have that flexibility and like we were talking about now it seems like they're going to have an owner that can make sure any of this could happen because they're going to have somebody to say yeah okay let's do this yeah when the ownership stuff happened in the off season there was that thought of okay is this going to be a you know a distraction for this team and at least for me when it was announced i think it was right before the season that Sarver was going to sell the team to me i was like okay it's not a distraction anymore if i'm a player on this team you know, there's not there's not anything I have to or can do. I don't morally feel like I got to stand up to this. He's selling the team, so whatever. But I, I, what I overlooked at the time that has kind of become at least a thought here over the last few weeks is, okay, maybe it's not a distraction to the guys on the team, but how much is it holding James Jones back from being able to make a trade? Now, maybe he's just been waiting anyway, and maybe it was never it hasn't been an issue. But if if instead of this news from Woj today that, that the you know the Suns are finalizing a deal right now, it was don't expect the Suns to be sold until July, that would be concerning. Because then it would be like, well, who's, who's going to sign off on James Jones signing a free agent? Who's going to sign off on James Jones? Like, it's a just trickle-down effect. Are you going to trade for Kyle Kuzma if you don't have assurances from your owner that you can then sign him? You know what I mean? Yeah, your hands are tied. And this at least kind of paves the way to make 
any if there's going to happen trade available because there's going to be a true owner that's yeah let's do this if this makes the team better just let James Jones do his thing but um, it just kind of helps smooth everything over and there aren't any more hiccups or bumps in the road yeah you don't have to (laughs) this has been amplified with the Cardinals too you just want all of the information to work with I, I I almost just said I can't imagine how tough it's going to be for the Cardinals GM to put all these pieces together. It's so tough, we don't even know who the Cardinals GM is. Mm-hmm. At least for James Jones, he's been sitting back for the last 31 games coming into the season. I'm sure he had his own ideas, too, of like, okay, this is what we need, this is what we need. I know what players might be available. I'm sure Kyle Kuzma's a guy he's watching extra tonight. Whether anything ever happens or not, that's a good player that, that should likely be available. I'm sure he knows, obviously, that we can offer stuff that other teams can't offer. He at least has all the information. The only thing that he didn't have was, can I actually sign a guy if I trade for him? And it seems like that's that's uh, going to happen. Uh, the Mercury, too, for anybody that was just joining us, the Mercury are obviously involved in that deal as well. And it sounds like, according to Woj, that that's going to be roughly a $4 billion sale. So anything you're buying for Christmas right now, and you're like, eh, boy, this seems like a lot. Matt Ishbia is spending $4 billion on the Suns and the Mercuries. <laughs> yep. so and it's, it's, yeah, and it's weird because his name hasn't been up, and you never know because there's a lot of people that probably inquire behind the scenes, but it seems like he's been pursuing an NBA or NFL team for a while. Yeah. And like we said, to get a team in the midst of a really good run that's up and trending more up is quite a win for him. Probably drove the price up a little bit more. Yeah. All right, that's it for us here today. Thanks, Darren Maloney, uh, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Josh, thanks for stopping by, man. Have a good holiday. Yeah, you as well. Uh, I'm Luke Lipinski. we got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.